Hello, Hello and welcome to episode 1059 of The Sleeper in the Bust. It is Monday, Memorial Day, May 30th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by a special guest, Vlad Sedler. Back-to-back special guest with Ben Clemens joining me on Friday, and now Vlad. Vlad, how's it going? I'm doing good. Enjoying the Memorial Day holiday, watched some baseball, just got uh, watched uh, our, our boy Spencer Strider get jobbed a little bit, but happy to be talking to you here. Uh, great to have you on as well. Got lots to talk about, uh, so we're going to dive right into it. You've been on the show before. You know how this works. People can find you on Twitter at RotoGut. They can read your stuff at FTN Fantasy, listen to your podcast with Maddie Wood, and sometimes guests. Um, if you're not, I don't know what you're doing, but hey, better late than never. So change that. Start listening to the pod. Start reading the stuff. The Fab Whisperer's here. So what else would you think we were going to talk about but Fab? So let's start and uh, let's look over some of your key pickups from last night, some of your key cuts, and then some of the bigger pickups at large. I want to get your thoughts of where you were, were you bidding but losing out, were you not on them? But let's start mm. with some of the guys you did get. And you got somebody I love. I'm a big, big Mitch White fan. I got him on DCs all over the place. This was one of my go-to guys in DCs. Do you think he's going to be able to be stretched out enough to be a true full-time starter? You bought him at 13 bucks. That's not too bad. What's the immediate future look like and then the uh, season long here for for Mitch White? Well, so it's one of those, you know, those project pickups that we need to be careful, careful of. Uh, Obviously, in 12 teamers, it usually doesn't come into play uh, going that deep for a pickup. But uh, in 15 teamers, obviously, we want to grab players that we see long term value with. Uh, Obviously, someone of his skill level, his pedigree, the environment, of course, with Dodger Stadium. I mean, it's the perfect place for him to succeed. Uh, But everything sort of needs to go right for him. Uh, and, and by project pickup, I mean like, you know, beginning of the year, I'm like, okay, I'm going to invest in Jordan Hicks. And I, I like how I, I think he's a good pitcher. Hopefully Cardinals know what they're doing and this will work out. It didn't. Uh, Spencer Strider, uh, we mentioned earlier, you know, kind of started off. We thought he might get into the rotation and they mm-hmm. kept bringing guys up, didn't work out. And it, we'll see. And so you can only take on so many of those where you're streaming, you know, like the the, the super relievers, the Michael Kings, Brock yes. Burks of the world, and it's difficult to do. And so I think everything kind of needs to go perfectly for him, kind of like, I mean, completely wild example. But, like, you know, Marcus Simeon last year uh, with the George Springer injury as soon as he got to Toronto and the ballparks that they were hitting in and they're in, you know, in Florida and Buffalo, uh, he got to lead off all year and have that monster season. And, and for Mitch White, for things to work out, he needs a rotation spot because he's essentially always going to be that guy uh, on the outside looking in unless guys are hurt. And the problem right exactly. now is Andrew Heaney's coming back probably in a couple of weeks, already traveling to the team and, and making rehab starts. Clayton Kershaw threw a 20, a 35 pitch, uh, bullpen, I believe. So at some point he gets back. So, so what happens, right? Um, and in the meanwhile, in the short term, what do we really get? I mean, we're hoping if you're starting him that, uh, you know, I think he threw like 61 pitches in his last outing, hoping he can maybe get to 70 pitches and, and, and five innings against Pittsburgh qualify for a win that they should be able to secure. But uh, beyond that, it, you really don't know. So that's why mm-hmm. you kind of don't throw a lot of money on it, but you, you hope something sticks. Um, and the one other thing I'll mention is I've been doing a lot of where uh, the guys that I, I really want or like, I never end up getting them because I'm always bidding on the the popular plays that everyone else is. So I'm usually getting yeah. one of my top two guys and these guys, and, and I know you're going to mention a couple of them later, they sort of slip through the cracks and I'm always kicking myself. I'm like, man, I really wanted Mitch White. Why didn't I just make those big bids lower? So just in case, if I did get them, that'd be great. But if not, then I get the guy I actually want. 
Yeah, you felt comfortable and you, you feel comfortable enough to quote unquote settle for that guy. I've been feeling that same exact thing. And Mitch White is an example of that. And there have been others too where I was like, I liked that guy, but I actually went higher. I, I got somebody else. Ryan Helsley's a big one like that. And I, I think I'm going to live to to regret that one pretty substantially as a Giovanni Gallegos guy. He ended up going for $12 to Scott Jenstead. I mean, striker strikes again. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable. And you know, I was, I was, I had a higher bid, but I got somebody else, mm -hmm. which I, I forget who it was. It ended up being somebody good that I, I'm comfortable with, I'm happy about. But man, you look at what Helsey's doing right now, and it's looking like he's kind of retching that job away from Gallegos. But I hear you on Mitch White. I, I, he's a guy I like. Um, 13 bucks, it cannot hurt you. So if it's a short term play and it get a couple good innings, cool. If it's a long term play at 13 bucks, obviously upside goes from there. Mm -hmm. I've been through the Tony Gonslin and, um, Ross Stripling experiences before. I know how this goes. So I know mm -hmm. what I'm getting into. You do too. You're a Dodgers fan. So you're going in eyes open. And that's the key thing with these issues because these guys are headaches. And if you don't like owning these headaches on your team, like Mitch White, don't do it. Manage how you yep. like to manage. You don't want to deal with the Spencer Strider, the Aaron Ashby stuff. Don't do it. That's totally okay. That's a, that's a personal preference thing. I'm open to, to taking that gamble. You are as well, because mm -hmm. it can strike big. Stripling has yep. some great years, and so has Gonsolin. Let's talk Jen, Ken Giles, because I like this one. 12 bucks. Steck's demotion, I mean, barely clears any space, let's be mm -hmm. honest. But Giles is the old capital C closer. He's done this before. I mean, who how many, who, who else about yeah. Paul Seawall that Andrew Munoz has punched themselves in the face walking off the mound? No one but Ken Giles, Vlad. Yeah. Do you see him taking over this job here and adding some stability or or some some not even stability? The the bullpen's good, but do do you see him taking over as the A guy for saves, Ken Giles? I I hope so. I mean, obviously, last year unique situation. So they led the team uh, the the league in in save opportunities last year, but they have kind of been a committee going back to last season, and this year they've got a little bit of that 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 uh, that Boston Red Sox thing going on where nobody can really just grab a hold of the job, nor do we know if, you know, anyone really uh, is, or even if management. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. Who, who, who really wants it? I mean, they signed Giles for a reason, obviously he hasn't pitched, uh, you know, to live batters in about 20 months. That's going to change this week. And uh, it would be nice to get, uh, to get somebody like there who is, you mentioned a capital C closer. That's kind of what he's done his whole life. And, and Paul Sewald really hasn't been right. I mean, he's obviously had that, that big fantastic season last year, but it was really his first uh, really good season in the big leagues. And sure. yeah, I mean, I think they're going to, they're going to have some kid gloves on him, I think uh, to, to start, uh, but, but maybe second half of the year uh, he could really be the guy. So this team specifically. So I, I really wanted to make sure I got him because in 15 team main events, he's not available. Like he just wasn't, he got hurt before, right? The, exactly. The yeah, so he wasn't available. I guess somebody drafted him in this one because it was an earlier um, main event and dropped him. So he was it was the only league where I saw him available. I at first put six dollars, ended up going to twelve. Backup was one there, and uh, it, it's a team that has issues with closer. Um, this was my live main event where I only have Corey Kniebel. He was my my pick oh, in uh, in around seven. One today. Yeah, and then and then. Later, what I did was I, you know, I just kind of kept dodging the guys and and avoided that like Bednar range and Gregory uh, Gregory Soto was going much higher. So I ended up with three guys that maybe could be the number two, and that was Rowan Wick, Denilson Lamette, and Ian Kennedy. And immediately that was nothing. On top of that, I then picked up Hansel Robles for three weeks. Basically, oh, got nothing man. out of him. 
And then last week, finally, a little something. I uh, picked up fire, uh, J, uh, J, um, JP, JP Fire Horizon. Yeah. yeah. Got a win, got a save out of him. And, and you know, even if he's not the closer, still hasn't given up a run yet. So hold him there. But yeah, I would love to see Giles come through and be the guy. And, and as soon as he pitches, you know he's going to go for some big bids. Exactly. So I think getting him there at 12 was great, by the way, just so you know. I'm pulling the curtain back. I am looking at my phone here because I have your bids. We were talking earlier, and you might have heard a little. You said you heard a little scratchiness. For some reason, when I'm hosting StreamYards, mm -hmm. my connection starts messing up. I think it might be related to browser tabs. So I got them all closed, but I'm on my phone now making sure I got your bids up. So just so you didn't think I was like, yeah. is this guy not paying attention while, <laughs> while I'm talking? I wanted to be above board and let you know that I am looking at my yes. notes here on my phone. Let's move on to our next guy. This is a guy I... I, I don't like this guy. It's not his fault anymore because I don't think he was going to have the job out of spring if Jose Barrero hadn't gotten hurt. But Kyle Farmer ends up being their old steady Eddie that they can turn to because Jose Barrero got hurt. He's on another heater. He paid 16 bucks with a backup of an eight of eight, which is two X. But when it's two X at that level, it's not that painful. Anything mm -hmm. under like $50 if you're two Xing somebody to get your guy. I never really feel too bad about that. Do you think this is another heater that we saw last year for literally like one month? Or do you think there's something more here with Cal Farmer? What's interesting is he uh, he played on that heater and and just I think it was even longer than that. It was, I think, almost two months. And he was doing so with a, with a sports hernia. So he got oh, that wow. cleared. Yeah. So he was he was, you know, beefing around with, with that. And it still worked out. Had a nice little uh, uh, second half of the year. Former Dodger guy, uh, Dodger prospect. Mm -hmm. I know him well. Uh, I actually, it's funny in my fab column, I think I put a little note about him, basically like a, a jag, just a guy. Mm -hmm. And I actually had a couple of people like, hey, no, he's more than that. You know, he's a, no, he, he he's really is. Right. And in 15 teamers, it, that, that's okay. Sometimes, right. You, can, you can't yeah. have all the hot guys. Jags um, can pop off. Like that's, the, I, I play a lot of OOTP baseball. Um, mm -hmm. It's a sim manager. And if jag is like a 40, 45, even sometimes a 50, value guy from scouting terms and they can be all-stars they can pop up like the right guy the right you mm -hmm. know season can really pop off so he is a jack cal farmer is 1000 percent a jag but jags can get going so continue with farmer yeah i mean he's uh, it, you know I, it, this is a situation where i've just have been struggling with uh just getting some good middle relievers there uh on middle this team and, you mean? Uh, yeah yeah middle i said relievers huh yeah, I got you. Without yeah, without a single drink yet today. Uh, I mean, he's just <laughs> one of those guys that you know he shouldn't hurt your average. He's like you know like a two sixty career guy, decent plate discipline. He doesn't strike out much, doesn't hit the ball particularly hard, but that's a a pretty good environment for him. Uh, and I like the schedule here uh, after this two game series in Boston, which obviously a, a top park factor uh, in baseball. Mm -hmm. They then get eight straight home games in uh, their fantastic uh, bandbox in, in Great American. And they're going to face some bad pitching. Washington for four, then Arizona for four. So, yeah, we'll see. Hopefully um, ride the wave a little bit. Hope he stays hot. And, um, you know, he'll, he'll hit higher in the lineup against lefties. They'll see a couple of those. So we'll see. A, a guy that I don't mind dropping if it doesn't work out. Exactly. And the guy you cut um, also, also twice is understandable why you cut him. We'll get to him in a moment. He's just been dreadful in his limited time. But let's talk about Cal Mitchell. Pirates prospect, a lot of folks might not know about. He's a little bit of a hipster prospect. Like, if you know about Cal Mitchell, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, with a fast start in AAA, five homers, six steals, comes up, leads off a bunch. It's Pittsburgh, but when you lead off, you matter in, mm -hmm. in 15 teamers. Like, that is that is peak 15 team main event is that someone comes up and leads off. We don't care what team. 
you matter instantly. You got them at a very friendly six bucks. I got zero issues with that. Talk to us about Cal Mitchell, outfielder for the Pirates. I mean, I think you know that I'm not the the, the biggest prospect guy. I obviously try to, to to stay in tune, and so I was aware of him, but wasn't even really expecting this uh, this promotion. Uh, and and interesting, you know, you got a, a few guys that have come up, and and it's really funny how it works. Like the 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 psyche of I guess us fantasy baseball managers, and how when there's a new name, and and we've talked about the shiny to- toy syndrome forever. It's like I got to get a piece of that. But then you know, in a week like this, where you've got uh, it was Oscar Rodriguez came up, uh, and then uh, him, uh, Cal Mitchell, yeah. and then Michael I Harris the second, Chris, Christopher Morrell, Michael yep. Harris the second, Mitchell. Yeah, there were some really interesting prospects that were getting some real PT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so you know, everybody kind of want to get get it, wants to get a piece of that, but I didn't have a really strong feel on him. Like I don't love just you know hitters. I, I, I'm not going to go out of my way for a guy on, on Pittsburgh. Um, you know, just <laughs> how much. Uh, uh, how many runs are you going to score? Like, what's he really going to do? I mean, Brian Reynolds was kind of, uh, um, you know, re- really stuck out last year with the season, but it's a pretty awful team. So what I ended up doing was just, I uh, really spent a lot of time on my conditional uh, bids for my, this outfielder. Basically, I, I put Christopher Morrell as my top guy. He was available in my 15-teamer. Uh, somebody you. dropped a 99% rostered guy, Dale Hernandez. I put him on that bid list. I put Tyrone Taylor and then Michael Harris the second for some steals. Cal Mitchell was behind there. I had no problem. I, you know, I threw under $10, like six bucks, as you mentioned mm-hmm. for him. And, and that's who I ended up getting. Hopefully he sticks. Hopefully it works out. But, uh, but it's interesting The you always post, I noticed the, uh, the, the bid ranges and, and the prices from, from main event. And, um, I don't recall offhand, but he, I mean, there were some leagues where he went for, for a lot of money, right? He just not as much as like the Harris's and the other guys. Yeah, It, it wasn't Harris level, but it was, it was substantial there for some of the Mitchell bids. Uh, to be sure, I can pull it up for you here. Just a moment. I, I, um, I remember I like the, 42 average, maybe something like that. Uh, that was the high was 42. Oh, high. average okay. was 16, but you were still oh, 10 okay. under that. Lowest cost was four for Cal Mitchell. So you were right, you know, right above that. So you got, you got a good one. And he went in 30 of the 47 main events. If he does something this week, he'll go in the other 17 for a lot more, for mm-hmm. a lot more. So that was a really sneaky pickup. You mentioned Christopher Morrell. We're going to get to him in a moment. Um, Oscar Gonzalez and Michael Harris, other guys that were really, really uh, sought after big time. And Michael Harris, people were popping off for him. Oh, yeah. I said, I said Rodriguez earlier, damn. You know what I oh, mean? Oh, yeah. Uh, Oscar, yeah, I knew what you meant. Oscar Gonzalez yeah. for Cleveland. Uh, John Birdie, good old John Birdie. He talked about how, like, with Cal Mitchell coming up, the the unknown is always alluring to people. And, and the known isn't always. And guys like Kyle Farmer and John Birdie don't really get people going. But sometimes they're just as good as these prospects, but they're already kind of established as what these prospects will be. But the unknown, what if Cal Mitchell's a 2020 God? He's not. I mean, probably not. John Birdie, we know what he can do. Speed, middle, and corner. Was that it? Was it just a, a Swiss Army knife that you wanted to have on your ball club there with the John Birdie pickup? I just wanted John Birdie on my team. We were talking earlier about uh, Mitch White, how there was somebody you had to get. I had to get Birdie. So mm-hmm. the previous week, I had put him into my lineup. In, I have him in a, in a few DCs. So I put him in the lineup, and then I picked him up on a specific main event of mine that's actually really good. It, it's my best team. Um, it, it, it Basically, it's a, it's a, a Trey Turner start with uh yeah one overall with like liam Hendricks and jordan alvarez and i have an astro stack so it's alvarez altuve and bregman so when those guys roll they roll you um i mean my best pitcher is is darvish so you know not like a super ace obviously 
but I've got Pablo Lopez, uh, Sonny Gray, uh, uh, Nestor Cortez. So it's a I'd good say team. Lopez is your best pitcher. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I, and it's a good team. But I've been struggling with stolen bases outside of Trey Turner. Nobody is really running there, and so I've had my eye on Andrew Velasquez the last couple of weeks. We I had Phil DeSoto on the show uh, um, earlier in the week. He likes actually Velasquez a lot more than me, and so that's the guy I was thinking I was going to get for speed. But with Birdie, um, you know what? I've always been a fan of not just be, just for raw stolen bases. I know that that's what the guy can do. We saw him steal a couple. He hit a uh, lead off three days in a row. We figured jazz Chisholm was coming back, but I still wanted him anyways, as, uh, as fate would have it. And unfortunately we, we don't love to see injuries, but Joey Wendell left Monday's game with a hamstring issue. So I think that might mean playing time for, for John birdie. So, um, with that part, I'm happy. Yeah, it, it absolutely could. And obviously we never root injuries, but there is going to be repercussions from injuries somebody will emerge into playing time. And yeah, John Birdie's just a great 15 team league Swiss army knife. Um, this guy doesn't, I think have multiple eligibility anymore, but I'm a big Tommy Listello fan. I really like him. How was the backup? Uh, only six to your 17 mm -hmm. after a week of leading off for the giants. I know he's platoon, but he's strong side. I don't feel as bad for the strong side platoon in these leagues um, with, with what the giants are doing as I would say Darren Ruff on the short side. So why, why was nobody else going after Tommy Lostella there after leading off all week? You know what the, the two leagues where he was taken. And, and so I got him for 17 backup was six there, as you mentioned in the other league, uh, he went for 24 backup. There was seven. So I don't know, I guess people had their wow. middle infielders or there were other people that they wanted, but, uh, but to me, yeah, I mean, I don't, you know, it's nothing, one of those things that I expect like huge, uh, things from him. But six out of seven games for the week uh, against right-handed pitching, I like that. Um, That's perfect. And obviously, yeah, so I'm fine with that. I would have liked a, a nicer schedule behind that. I don't want to be in a position where I'm spending 15 to 25 on somebody and then having to drop them the next week. Like if I'm dropping, like I would love to get something out of Birdie, LaStella, uh, Kyle Farmer and and not having to keep rotating guys because that's gets expensive. After a while, Absolutely. you know, you spent 200 bucks just on, you know, just streaming guys. Uh, the schedule after that is three at home against Colorado. There'll be one lefty probably, which is Gomber, which is fine. Um, Lestella may or may not play, but then they get the Dodgers, gets a little tougher there. So this is the week I need him to uh, to do something. So I'd like for him to have a nice little week, um, you know, against Philly, some tough pitching against Miami later in the week. So we'll see how it goes. Maybe uh, when he gets to Eliza Hernandez and Edward Cabrera, <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe a little damage will get done. They seem to trust Tommy Lostello when he's healthy and let him play a good bit. And uh, I was really believing in that breakout power season with the Angels before he followed the ball off his leg and broke it. He really hasn't been the same since. Uh, you had some intriguing cuts. You mentioned Jordan Hicks. We'll just kind of gloss over him because you mentioned how you took the shot, thinking that could happen there. Obviously on the I.L. with strain for him, pretty easy cut there. Bryson Stott, um, he's been dreadful in 75 plate appearances let me ask you despite being a small sample because it's been so awful does that change your outlook on him or is it still just 75 plate appearances and 75 plate appearances is 75 plate appearances with bryce bryson stock where do you come out on that so the funny thing is he is somebody that i just didn't get into in draft season because he had that amazing spring right amazing mm -hmm. spring training and he was kind of in the same breath with uh with jeremy pena those are the yes. two guys that were coming on that were going to make the team. Uh, Alec Baum wasn't looking good and looked like it was Stott's job. And I did not um, invest in him, but I somehow convinced myself to get him uh, the first time around and he stunk. Um, guess what? I dropped him 
and I picked him back up. Um, oh, you know, your your quote tour. unquote fab whisperer overbid on him. I think I spent like forty two or something with a backup of seven for the oh, second time around. That's tough. And 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 so this is actually a good lesson. Is um, at least for me is you know people are more in tune with the upcoming schedule, and most people understand that Stott is pretty much only hitting against right-handed uh, pitching. Uh, and looking at that week when I did pick him up, I think it was like three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, when he came back up, he was hitting well in AAA when he was sent down, came back up. The problem is they had a bunch of lefties they were facing that week, I believe like three. And um, and they also had a series with the Dodgers, which also isn't pretty. And and still, I, I it was one of those days where I just couldn't uh, get to my bids in time to like, you know, to, to lower them and, and kind of do my work on them. Uh, to tweak them, but yeah, uh, that one really hurt. And then when you play him in your lineup, you, you know, and, and you get nothing out of it, really, it, it's the worst. And so I ended up cutting him finally just off my team. And one thing I want to be careful of is to not be that stubborn guy that says never again, right? Because yeah. this is not personal. This is not, uh, you know, favorites. We're not like drafting Dodgers and Tigers because we like them. Exactly. We are, you know, it's, it's not a business, but we're trying to win money. We're trying to beat people, you know, for, for money, for pride, all these things. So, I mean, he's not dead to me. He could still be good. I might draft the next year. Who knows? But just as of now, he just kind of hurt me and, you know, did the damage that he did. I completely appreciate that approach with uh, with regards to Bryson Stott. And, yeah, I agree th- because it is 75 plate appearances. And awful, yes. I don't think it's the end of the road there. Tanner Houck, you were not encouraged by the uh, by the 12 rebound innings that, that he had there. I know they were back in the hybrid role, which we were talking about earlier. Houck was another one that uh, hasn't gone really as as hoped you just weren't encouraged by those uh by those innings i mean he's just getting messed with right i mean we Big had time. some uh you know i think there were people in 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 the two camps of he's going to be great right and he was getting drafted around 190 200 overall and and he looked great and 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 then there were the 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 sort of i guess the realists like sort of like the uh, you know the uh, the doubters and the haters who ended up being right right like those that were anti tanner hawk it wasn't about him being a good pitcher or not. It's about like these Red Sox that, you know, management has no idea what they're doing. They're just, you know, they, they can't manage this bullpen and uh, you know, they're not even gonna let the guy start. Like I hate when pitchers are getting messed with like, you know, it, no consistency in terms of, Oh, now we're going to piggyback. Oh, now you're going to start. Oh, now you're going to close. You know, like, like, what are you doing here? So it, right now, guy doesn't even have a starting job and so it's a tough cut i guess in a in a 15 teamer um but he's you know he's not getting himself in line for a win um you know other than i think that one win he got the other day mm-hmm. but uh but he's not a traditional starter and that's sort of tough to uh to, to stomach right now and it just doesn't look like it's gonna happen with any sort of consistency either he does not always follow rich hill or anything like that so he's just at the whim uh with tanner Houck. i totally get it i cut him in a league myself uh, mm-hmm. a, a while ago before um, after that first blow up uh, Willie Castro for the Tigers you cut him playing a lot but it's pretty empty batting average you just preferred I imagine Farmer and or Birdie whoever you made the cut there for because that, that you got both in that league over Castro was it was it just that simple I really try to stay disciplined with this one um, when I picked him up this was again the same team where I now have Birdie and I'm looking mm-hmm. for for speed and for some reason, I convinced myself to put more on Willie Castro than Andrew Velasquez or other guys that, you know, that, that could have got for a few bucks. But anyways, I had got I picked up Castro for nine dollars the week before, essentially hung on the fact 
the Detroit Tigers had 15 games in 14 days, and I kind of like the schedule. He was hitting second. Uh, and then I also think back to the beginning of last season, how some really good players were on him and, and really liked him. I remember Phil Dussault, uh, Matt Modica, and some other guys were drafting him a lot in uh, uh, Casey Cha, maybe in DCs. And there's something about them that uh, about him that they liked. And end of the year was, you know, whatever, 450 plate appearances, nine homers, nine stolen bases, nothing to, to, to write home about. But um, I thought maybe I can catch lightning in a bottle for a bit, maybe get a, you know, maybe get some stolen bases if he's sitting there at the top of the lineup. And then after that week had passed and hadn't really done much, it was more like, okay, let's move on to the next one. You know, that, uh, that, that the distracted boyfriend gif. Uh, yeah. You, I mean, you were rolling your dice with Willie Castro. They didn't come up exactly how you wanted, but it was the one spin. It wasn't a multiple spin kind of thing with him. I totally get that. And I agree about staying disciplined with it, right? You mm -hmm. picked up somebody for a particular reason. Something has to really be significantly different for you to go against that, I think. Yep. Um, let's talk about some of those other popular main pickups. Let's start with the biggest one, Michael Harris. Um, everyone was looking big at Michael Harris. You mentioned that the speed component is there. He's a big time prospect for the uh, for, for the Braves, 14th prospect in baseball. So mm -hmm. we're talking big stuff here for Michael Harris. The second went in all 47 leagues. Average was 95, a high of 288, which is my my main uh, from Vegas. The lowest was five. He went for five in a league. The runner-up average was 43, and the biggest split was 237. I bet you can guess what league that mm -hmm. was in. Uh, <laughs> Michael Harris the second. What do you think of him? Obviously, you didn't, you didn't pony up big bucks, um, so you didn't get him anywhere uh, in your mains. What was the outlook? What was your outlook with Michael Harris? Oh, my my big thing is I've already done most of my spending. I'm about 70% in. Uh, or, you know, 60 to 70% and I have like 300 to 400 on, on most of my mains. And, and I, I guess I have a few things to show for it. I, I did get some good players out of it. Um, and, uh, and, and yeah, I just didn't have the ability to, you know, to spend a lot and, uh, especially on somebody that I don't know what I'm going to get out of them. Obviously yeah. the, you know, the environment there is great. Uh, if for whatever reason, something happens to Ronald Acuna, maybe he might get an opportunity to lead off. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, for the, for the most part, probably be the number nine guy there, um, in the lineup could just eventually move his way up, uh, but speed, right? I mean, that's a, a huge component of things, you know, Atlanta lets, lets their guys run there, there, there could be something here, um, for me to have spent 50 plus, even if I had a ton of money, uh, it would have had to have been very specific contextual to really needing stolen bases, um, on the team. So I don't know, just, uh, to me could be great. I know that there's, uh, there were some quotes in Atlanta from, from management and, and from teammates that he has some sort of like it factor. He just has this swagger, just looks like he's going to be a fantastic major leaguer. So mm -hmm. yeah, that's good. But there, I'm still looking at 18 more weeks in, in, in the, the, the season in terms of fab bidding going. And I just, you know, I can't, uh, can't spend 50 plus for every new guy that uh, comes and turns the corner. No, you, you just really can't. And you know, for me, it was like, I, I don't really have the money for it either or the need. And like you, you do have to balance that the the potential to get somebody who can really help, and then versus like whether or not how much do you really need him? Because yes, he could hit, and then I'll be like, well, the fifty eight dollars or whatever would have been completely fine. But I I really didn't have a need. I really couldn't find a cut for him. I had one cut in my main, and uh, I picked up another pitcher for James Caprillion. So I don't have any regrets. I I like Michael Harris. I'm I'm hoping he does well, but. Uh, 
I, I just I couldn't go big for him. Mm -hmm. Christopher Morrell, I was actually more interested in. You said he was your number one guy. He was mine as well. Came up a bit short, but he also went for some big dollars. He went in the 16 remaining leagues where he didn't go last week. 73 average, 118 high, 44 low. So even at the low, you were paying a, a decent chunk there for Christopher Morrell. Leading off for the Cubs, what do we think of Christopher Morrell, the outfielder for the for the uh, for the Cubbies? I thought it was really cool. He came up and like shook uh, the ump's hand. Seems like a you know just like a great guy. What a gent. Yeah, just a just a, a true gentleman. But I mean, hey, he's been leading off for the Cubbies uh, the, the, these last few games. But you know how these things go. They're they're super cyclical. He just got into the league. He's been averaging you know hit a game and try, uh, scoring some runs and and looking good. But that can turn the corner very quickly. And before you know it, he's uh, he's hitting the bottom of the lineup or then you know, potentially getting sent back down. But, mm -hmm. you know, Cubs have nothing to lose. There's a there's a good reason why they're letting him uh, kind of get out there and play. And the big thing is it, it was the short term impact. The fact that the Cubs were lined up for nine games this week. Um, you know, they had a bunch of righties they were going to face. I mean, it looked like a good um, a, a good spot for him uh, this week. And so he was my top guy. I think I ended up with him in one OC yes, where it wasn't did. very competitive bidding. I think I'm some in the twenties. Um, yeah. So teams just for those that don't know with the OC, sorry. the online championship. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, so got him in a 12 team or 15 teamers. He was just going for, for big bucks that I, I wasn't willing to spend, but there could be something here. I'll be, I always like to look at these guys in, in periods. Um, if you think back to Fabapalooza a few years ago, remember mm -hmm. the, you know, Austin Riley, Kiss and Hira, all those guys that came out from the same group, same class. Yes. Um, I will be interested to look to see, end of year analyzing how things go between morell michael harris oscar gonzalez and uh and cal mitchell i agree because this is a really fun four pack of of prospects and let's finish right. off uh with oscar gonzalez before we get into a few veterans he went in 37 of 47 leagues 23 dollar average 41 high three dollar low oscar gonzalez in cleveland what's the playing time outlook and what's the upside with uh with oscar gonzalez just looks like a solid bat, uh, 24 year old. Uh, I think, you know, plate discipline is, is, is decent. No speed really to speak of. I think maybe stole a few bags in the minor leagues a few years back. Uh, but other than that, I mean, if you join the lineup and you're hitting fifth and sixth right off the bat, that's a, that's a pretty good thing. Positive. That's a good sign. Uh, usually going to have Jose. Actually, I, I was going to say usually have Jose Ramirez on base ahead of you, but usually not because Jose <laughs> no, Ramirez is usually clearing the bases. And yeah, exactly. Home. But, he's uh, been so insane. He's been insane. Um, yeah, but I mean, we'll see what happens when Fran Mo Reyes comes back. Uh, if Oscar Gonzalez dreadful. continues to hit well, um, then we'll, we'll see. He had a, uh, I don't know if you saw, um, I know we're recording this on, on Monday. He had a, an egregious uh, mistake where I think he threw a ball into the stands at two outs. Oh, and uh, no. he was sitting there. Yeah, I just saw something him sitting on the floor, just kind of shaking his head, like, "Oh God!" Is that why he got pulled out? He came out of the game. Today. Yeah, probably. So maybe it maybe it was one of those things with the Oscar Gonzalez. But yeah, looks like a legit hitter for sure. But we'll see what happens. And they're not going to just never play Fran Mill. They're going to give him a chance to pull out of this. But it's been bad. Can I ask you about one guy? Because I, I'm, I'm kicking myself here. I, um, I decided to throw in some DFS lineups. I hadn't really, really studied. Uh, but I was liking the Mets and the Mets are doing well. They're, you know, they're crushing 12 to three, but I was like, okay, this Nick Plummer kid, uh, he's min salary. I'm just going to, I'm going to plug him in. And I changed my mind. And as we're recording, this dude knocks a monster three run shot. And then I see him in the outfield throwing cannons. This guy looks good, but I don't really don't know much about him. I don't, know, I don't do. know a ton about him either. He's like one of those, one of those guys who kind of cuts the, the fourth outfielder, 
mold, right? So he might just be on a heater. I'm trying to figure out like uh, what his plate skills are like. Is he related to plumber. Jake Plummer? I don't believe chance? so. Okay. I don't believe he's like Jake the Snake at all. That it could be his kid at that point. I think <laughs> based on ages, which just says how old we are. But uh, I'm looking right now. He came through the St. Louis organization, so I instantly Ooh, kind of intrigued by first the round way. pick. Because yeah, they usually seem to uh, their runoff players are still really good. Yeah, he's hit at a bunch of spots, including you know in the minors the last few years. He does have some swing and miss to his game, but he counterbalances it with some walk rate capability. There might be a little something here with with Nick Plummer. He's got some decent raw power, power speed. Not a great fielder, so that fourth outfielder aspect is more where he can go play out there. But he's really there for his bat. That's what I see with Nick Plummer. Man, how nice would that have been? I know you've been doing some good things on uh, on DFS. I don't know if you're having a big night tonight, but that would have been pretty huge if you were having a big run. Yeah, we'll see. It depends how uh, Mr. Ashby is uh, is doing today. I think they were doing all right. Aaron Ashby getting that uh, start there with Freddie Peralta. Did you end up cutting Freddie Peralta? I did. I, ju- I only have him on a 12-teamer, and I think there it was pretty much a no-brainer. I know I texted I you asking your, your opinion on it, but uh, – yeah, I think, you know, same thing. And 15 teamers, probably a little bit tougher. I think it depends how many stashes people have. But yeah, and yeah. 12 teamers, no way I could hold. Ashby's been insane, by the way. Five hits, five innings of one hit ball. Looks like it was a homer, a Wilson Contreras homer, and 10 punchies. Wow. Ashby's been crazy good. Um, all right, Edwin Rios, who you've gotten two OCs. We've been down the Edwin Rios train before. I think he's a great hitter. I think if he was in a different organization, he'd be an everyday player. Uh, going back to OOTP, talking about that, I go get him whenever I'm using like a, a lower tier team. I go try to get him from the Dodgers right away because he's a quality player. He's just extra for them. But now he's starting to get some PT. You are a big Dodgers fan. Is this temporary playing time or can there be something long term? I know Muncy's on the IL, but what about when Muncy gets back? Would Justin Turner be at any sort of risk? What's up with Edwin Rios long term? I know that it's, it's an all or nothing power profile. We know that. But what's the playing time look like? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. I think that this is kind of his uh, his little time in the sun here until Muncie gets right. I think the Muncie IL stint's going to be a little bit longer than than I the minimum. Too. Yeah, and so I think he's got a little bit of run here. Uh, I remember, I think you know, even Cody Bellinger was scratched. I know that doesn't really affect him because he's out in the outfield there. But uh, yeah, Rios will be here for for uh, for a bit. Obviously, the power bat is huge, as you mentioned, striking out a little bit more than uh, than we're used to seeing him at least. Uh, you know, Back when we back when we used to see him, but, but close to forty percent, it's a little scary. But I don't think that's quite the uh, you know the, hit the strikeout rate we should expect from him for the remainder of the season. Uh, but the fact that he's just getting an opportunity to play hit higher in the lineup is really nice. He's been mm-hmm. hitting fifth the last couple of games and mostly DHing. But then he st- uh, stepped in for Justin Turner on a, I think Sunday when Justin Turner had a day day off and, and hit third. So. Obviously, Justin Turner's not a young, you know, spring chicken. He's uh, he's going to turn 38 um, yeah. at some point this year, and uh, he always has some sort of injury issue. So that would be the true uh, sort of path to Edwin Rios having full season value. Uh, but but now this was like a good weekend to pick him up, right? I mean, it's agreed. Just, yeah, it wasn't like particularly crazy expensive because there were so many different resources to spend on, and you're just getting you know power. Dodger bat in this lineup in this offense, I think is a it's it's a good thing. It's something good to write out for for as long as you can. Yeah, because if he pops off this week, then Edwin Rios is going to be really expensive in twelve teamers. So mm-hmm. uh, this was the good week to slide on in there. Glenn Otto, somebody I quite like, but I ended up cutting him because he was in a Kikuchian type schedule that was just devastating. And I've actually been blessed with a decent number of uh, of healthy options 
pitching. And I realized I wasn't going to use him for two weeks. So I ended up cutting him. But now he, he sets up for a two-step after doing well against, I believe, the Angels last time out. He's doing well so far against the Rays. Just three innings, one run, three strikeouts, two hits. What do you think about Glenn Otto? Uh, he was mainly intriguing because of the two-step Tampa Bay and Seattle. Do you think there's something here with Glenn Otto? You know, last week I, I recorded a podcast on a Tuesday, and that I, I was already looking ahead to the following week fab schedule just to see, hey, what two-steppers are going to pop out here. And even though I've been sort of fully avoiding him uh, over the last few weeks and just not interested, he's been decently solid outside of that really one has. game where he got bashed by the Boston. Boston Red Sox. Yeah, outside of that, he's been fantastic. Two runs or less in, in, in basically all each of those starts, and it lined up really nicely for him on paper. Uh, this week with those two at home, just a couple of games where you just didn't really imagine him getting completely um, sort of bludgeoned uh, by opposing hitters. So um, I like it. I think he's one of those fringe 15 team guys. I think the uh, the home park uh, bodes well for him. I think mm -hmm. there are certain spots that are that are scary. I think like, for example, um, I don't know if I would have the uh, the gall, uh, not the gall, but the uh, I don't think I would be, have been able to start him at the Angels. But that worked yeah, out beautifully. I, I couldn't, though. And it was Houston yeah. before that. Yep. And, you know, again, read off that schedule. It was like Kikuchian mm -hmm. with the Boston one in there. There was another Houston one. He gets Houston and L.A. a lot because that's his division. So that was that's what was tough for me with Glenn Otto. And I kind of have this thing, you know, if you're not playing a guy a bunch of weeks in a row, yep. cut him. You know, yep. he's got he's got to kind of be cut. Um, now, I didn't make that same thing. Usually my litmus test is if you can't start somebody in a two-step, cut him. I did not follow that with Blackburn. I'm not starting him, but I didn't cut him. Mm -hmm. Houston and Red Sox, that's terrifying, but I'm going to keep him through that. Our last guy here, Victor Robles. The Victor Robles train, he's only 25. Feels like he's been around for 15 years in the fantasy world. Um, everyone's kind of had him on their team or, or they love or hate him. Everyone has like a strong opinion on Robles yeah. one way or the other. 252, one homer, five steals. Is Victor Robles fantasy relevant? I... And one of the people that does not have a strong opinion on him, if you can believe okay. it, one I don't, few. I don't know what to make of the guy because I don't know if, you know, he even knows who he is. Like how can somebody see be so awful for so long and then just have like just an out of nowhere six RBI explosion. Like <laughs> we can't forget in 2019, the season he had, uh, I mean, it was 17 homers, 28 stolen bases, 86 runs scored since then literally nothing absolutely nothing the Dreadful. profile is there like you said he, he's young um doesn't have major you know uh you know, like not a super powerful guy at the plate but uh the speed right i mean the speed is there and then it mm -hmm. at, it just comes down to the playing time and it's it, and i think it's going to be choppy all season it's going to be you know a little bit of him then lane thomas gets hot then he plays more um honestly it would take like an injury someone in the outfield uh or maybe you know yadil hernandez to start hitting his age uh, you know, older guy for one of these guys to emerge and just get full playing time. But it does kind of stink because, you know, Lane Thomas, Victor Robles are a couple like fun guys to, 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 yeah. to roster. And we just don't know the playing time. So it's consistent. It helps that Robles had, plays a strong center field in like a Michael A. Taylor kind of way. So that's why mm -hmm. they were able to get rid of Michael A. Taylor because they have a new one. They had four lefties last week. So Robles played all week. It was probably due to the fact that there were so many lefties. I don't know if he would have gotten that many games if it was all righties with Victor Robles. But he's out there in some leagues. I wonder 
if there might be some fringe 12 team viability with the speed, depending how desperate you are for steals with Victor Robles. So anyway, Vlad, that's going to wrap it up. A, a good look at the, uh, the fab week this week. It wasn't a high dollar week, but it was a high volume. There were mm -hmm. a lot of bids to be done. And uh, my favorite thing is to always look at the cuts. You're starting to see guys cut. By the way, speaking of Paul Blackburn, did you see that like $288 bid or $302 mm -hmm. bid for him no. um, in a league? Yeah, Gecko posted his whole like uh, rundown thing of like the highest individual bid. It was a Paul Blackburn. First off, he was cut. Jeff Erickson said it was in his league. He was cut to be available this week, and someone paid 302 for this week. Do you, do you think it may have been one of those, um, you know, like drunk Memorial Day weekend things? Or, like it was supposed or, to be 30? Or doing something on your phone? I don't know. That's it, it's, it's I mean, crazy. That's, that's insane. That's I love Paul Blackburn. 302 is yeah. nuts for this week, too. Like, you're not even going to start him, or you shouldn't. Yeah. So I mean, that's the next question. Did they start him? Did they start him? That would. Be I don't funny. know. We have to ask Jeff. We have yeah. to ask Jeff if he can <laughs> if he can take a look. But anyway, Vlad, it's always wonderful talking to you, man. I really appreciate it. Everything that you do, uh, I like reading the article. The pod has been excellent uh, during my my lawn Thank mowing. Uh, I was listening to the, the Phil one. That was tremendous. Roto Gut on Twitter. We'll have you back on again when it's me and Justin at some point during the season. Yes. Good luck in your leagues. I know we'll be texting plenty about the baseball season. Thank you so much, Vlad. Thank you so much, Paul. Really appreciate it. Take care.